0: This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of The Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday, Tuesday will be a quick hitting reaction of the Monday night football game as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season where we reveal the top eight teams according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac Fulton. He will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over-unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Reminder, be sure to tune in to the Fastest Rising Podcast tag team on For Frequency Sake, Nick and CZ next week as they sit down with the head coach of the Black and Brave Academy, Merrick Brave, on Card Subject to Change, our weekly wrestling podcast. Coming next Tuesday, September 27th, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast coming up next on the educated ignorance podcast Thursday night football breakdown talk a lot about you know where the Steelers can improve over you know the next 12 months potentially and also a really deep good deep dive I think on the Browns and their potential roadmap to success this year there's a lot there for them and I really do believe that this team uh, can be very competitive when we get to the end of the year. And, of course, we have Mac on for my favorite Sinister Six segment, yet we've done It's week four. We're in need of a bounce-back week, and I think we are going to give it to you. You know what time it is. It's time to buckle up. Let's roll. Let's get it on. The Educated Ignorance Podcast coming at you right now. Let's get it, boys and girls. So, I don't have any notes or anything about this game, or I'm just kind of winging, about to wing this like crazy, but uh, I was able to catch, you know, the majority of the second half, and I saw decent bits of the first half, and it was a game that was what I expected it to be. I The first half really was higher scoring than I expected, I thought what we got the second half would just kind of be spread out through the entirety of the game. It took a while for both defenses to maybe adjust. And we'll start with with Cleveland. Their defense, you know, much more improved tonight than through the first couple weeks. They, they definitely left a lot to be desired in the fourth quarter against Carolina. They definitely left a lot to be desired in the fourth quarter last week against the Jets. And... They were able to have a really good second half. They gave up a couple drives in the second quarter tonight. But, I mean, it's hard to hold NFL offenses to just nothing. Uh, So I I was very impressed with how they were able to make adjustments and they were able to take things away in that third quarter where they really dominated. And then the early part of the fourth quarter where they built that that two-score lead. Looking at Pittsburgh, it is a weird spectrum. When you look at what they've done and where they at, they probably should be 0 3. And the clock is ticking on Mitch Trubisky's career. And it's funny, I thought he was I thought he was pretty decent tonight. That first half he was really good. I thought he did a great job of moving off of his spot and still delivering accurate balls. I thought they were doing a lot of good, uh they were doing you know they were doing a lot of things to navigate offensively to give him easy throws, and I thought his receivers played really well. I think Johnson is, you know, he's a guy I still don't really like, but he's still a guy that makes stuff happen. And he all, and they also, on offense, uh, you know, the thing, though, I really wish is that Pickens, uh, you know, would would get involved more. I feel like they don't target him enough. I uh, I really wish that they would do more things to to get him involved, you know. On on that side, he's a very talented receiver. He's I think he's easily their best guy, and only three catches for thirty nine yards. He obviously made that ridiculous catch down the sideline in that second quarter, just Odell esque. And he he's such a really he's such a special talent. Uh. I wanna look at the Browns offense because I gotta admit, man, Jacoby Brissett is really impressing with how he's able to I know I hate you know, the the cliche thing is manage the game, woo da etc. et cetera. But he is doing a great job through three weeks now of not putting the Browns in bad spots. He wasn't great against Carolina, but when they needed it most, he delivered on a big drive. Last week, I thought he was dialed in from start to finish. He had the pick at the end of the game, and you know maybe he could have taken his. He could have not been that aggressive and and held off all things considered. But I thought he was really solid. And then tonight, on time, on target throws. I mean, look for a guy who was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year, and we had a really high sample size of him last year playing for Miami. Be with two his injury, he has been, you know. He has really been, this this season, Well, it's very impressive with what he's been able to do, how he's been able to protect the football, and he's been really accurate. And there were a couple times the receivers left some stuff out there tonight, their, their last drive, their last meaningful offensive drive. Uh, they really had a chance to go for the throat and put it out of reach and It was like a third and ten after Chubb got stuffed. He hit his back foot and just threw a dart to to Amari. Now it had a little too much juice on it, but Amari should have easily caught it, and he had one guy to miss, and no one, he was gone. Um, Amari, by the way, has been sensational the last two games. Uh, Really good to see. I really like this Browns team, man. And, again, the biggest thing for them, and we'll talk about it in a moment. We'll take a break in a sec, and then we'll come back with – where I see these teams going forward, but the thing for Cleveland is how are they going to sustain in this time without Deshaun? Because if they are good enough for when, like record-wise, when he comes back, this team is good enough to where when he is here, it's not just a a team that's frisky. It's a a Super Bowl championship-level team. They have a good enough defense. They have a fantastic offense. They have one of the best O-lines in the league. They have one of the best rushing games in the league. They got a high-level number one receiver. They And you add Deshaun to the mix, it's it's a hard, hard recipe to stop. And, look, I would easily have them in the Elite Eight if they didn't goof the game up against the Jets at the end of last week on Sunday. They should be 3-0. and That's what I'm saying. That game on Sunday could have cost them a playoff spot when you really break it down and though but the i mean those types of Ls happen on a Sunday in this league it's just how they can't afford to have those types of games when Deshaun is playing or when Deshaun isn't there because when Deshaun's not there, you don't expect them to win games. Like, next week they play the Chargers. And in a couple weeks they play the, the Ravens and then the, the Bengals. Like, you don't expect them to be able to have enough in those games without Deshaun. So that's why you have to cherry-pick as many of these games as you can to get them under your belt because of how good this roster is as long as Jacoby can. Now, maybe, here's the thing, maybe Jacoby can steal a game against a Cincinnati or an L.A. or a Baltimore, you know? Maybe he can. As long as the rest of the pieces are there, which they are, uh, that's that's what this team has to look forward to going. For. for Pittsburgh, it's a bit it's a bit rocky from here. As we said, we they definitely should be zero three. And the things that are so difficult with them is they have some they have a, honestly a high level roster. Not the highest level, but like they have receivers that can do stuff. Claypool Johnson, as much as I don't like him, uh, and then obviously Pickens two I really like Frye. a good tight end. Harris is a back that can can do some stuff. Their own line isn't good at all. That is an issue. Their their biggest thing is you know you know maybe maybe their biggest issue. Is their depth of their roster, and the, they are way too top heavy. Like, but they have some of the more like they have some of the highest pay- level players in the league. When you look at guys like T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick, and then on offense, they have not high level receivers, but they have good ones. Harris is a solid back. Like, they have really good guys, but they're the middle and the bottom half part. It's kind of like the Chargers last year. Like 1 through 11 or 12 last year for the Chargers was loaded, and then 13 through 53 was horrendous. This year for the Steelers, it's like 1 through meh, 5, 6 is really, really, really good. And then the rest is, there's some that is meh, and then the rest is very bad. That's their issue. So you're they're, they are close to where if they can figure out whether Pickett is the guy, and we'll get to him in a moment or something else, like if it's not him and you can get a quarterback that's worth something in there, and then you can, to- you can fine-tune stuff like your offensive line and your other parts of your roster. That's where the Steelers can have success in the coming years. You know, a lot of people wanted to say, you know, they were this good with Ben, and then, you know, we they expected, oh, Ben was so bad last year, as long as Pickett or Trubisky are just, you know, average, they should be good. Well, the issue is their rosters is not – it's not good, man, from, from, like I said, from, like, eight to the rest. They have some really good players. They have some guys we like, and then after that, it's a whole lot of bad. So, like, there's a path for Pittsburgh, but they got to retool and refine some stuff because – I, I caught myself when I said about liking their roster because I, I I don't without when you beat around the the margins. Defensively there's a lot of stuff that's there, some older pieces, but they do have some young guys. Dion Bush is just so inconsistent sometimes, but the they had a D they got a D lineman who's already got five sacks on the year who's really good. They obviously have KB Howard, TJ Watt though is out for a while, but like again, man, it's just weird for them right now because you're trying to figure out How long are you going to be able to ride with Trubisky? And how long until you try to play Kenny Pickett? The problem, obviously, with Mitch is that he doesn't do enough to win you games. His best is to just not lose games for you. And they obviously don't trust him. And it's a combination of Trubisky's very average, very, very average, and... Their offensive ski system, as well, is horrendous. Matt Canada is not a good coordinator. I don't know where the Steelers go from here this year, but I don't think it's good. It's why I was so confident. Everyone wants to be like, well, Tomlin never finishes below 500. It's like, well, this isn't a good team. And even if Pickett plays, like, this little line's not great. I don't think. I don't think. This team's ceiling is much, and tonight, they had a couple moments, but look, they should have been, they're stare, they stared down the barrel tonight, they should have been 0-3, this team could very well be 2-7 by the time they hit the bye, I don't know how long Trubisky lasts, um, Pickett will be the starter, I think, at least by week 10. And we'll see how how things go with the Steelers. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back to wrap up the Thursday Night Football portion of the pod next. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at For Fantasy Sake at gmail.com. With baseball playoffs right around the corner, over a month away, and the NFL and college football seasons right on our tail, it's the perfect time of year to get your daily fantasy sports life in order. For Fre- Frequency Sake has you covered. Every single week. Tune in for frequency sakes. DFS Deep Dive on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch every Friday evening. And upload it every Saturday morning on your favorite podcast platform. Where Brian and the boys will be giving you the best daily fantasy sports advice. For each and every week to help you fatten your wallet this season. Again, on every Friday night live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, upload it on your favorite podcast platform on Saturday mornings. DFS Advice. DFS Deep Dive here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. All right, final thoughts on this this game. And uh, some. I want to keep touching on the Browns here for a moment. Uh, pitchy Pitchy Woo Woo, by the way, apparently cost a lot of people the the under tonight, I came upstairs with about a half a minute to go to set this up and whatnot. And I missed I missed pitchy-pitchy-woo-woo. I bet – oh, it sucks because Al was on the call. Oh, my God. I bet Al Michaels was <laughs> beside himself. Oh, man, that's tough. All right, real quick about Cleveland. Again, there's a lot with this team to like. And I want to pull their schedule up because I want to try to think of the worst, the best case scenario for them while having the worst case where they don't win any games that you don't expect them to. So I'm going to kind of go through here and give it like, all right, this is who we expect you to beat. And this is who we probably feel like you're not going to beat in the first Until we get to their bye and then week 13 or week 12, whatever it is. Let's pull this up. So next week they go to Atlanta. That should be a win. The week after that, week five. So you're at three and one. You get the Chargers. Let's say you lose. Week six, you play the Patriots four and two. That's what we were hoping for if you were a Browns fan in the first place when we were thinking Deshaun was only going to get six games. You get to four and two through six, you're cooking. Either way, let's say you're four and two. The next four games, it's rough. Let's just say you lose them. Well, hold on, excuse me. Their next five games, I should say, are rough. Because you got at Baltimore, Cincy at home, then a then bye week, and then at Miami, at Buffalo, Bucks at home. If you can get one of those games and go one and four and be five and six, it opens up for you to end the year at Houston, at Cincinnati. Now, granted, I think the Cincinnati games both are winnable for them. Uh, because their D-line is amazing, and I think they, that the Bengals are... The Bengals haven't figured it out yet. Who knows if they will by that time of the year. So, you get you go to Houston. The first game, Deshaun is back, of course. Then, at Cincinnati, Ravens at home, Saints at home, which Saints team already having to come up and play in the cold weather, plus... Uh, it, with Jameis, I mean that should be a win. You go to Washington and then to Pittsburgh. You could end the season five and one, four and two at worst. If you can find a way to to win the Baltimore game, could win out with Deshaun. It's all there. Twelve and five. 11-6, and 10-7 is on the table, and 10 wins very well could be what it takes to get in in the AFC. And I'm telling you, man, I'm going to say this all year with Cleveland. If they can get to five, at le- if they can at least be at five wins when Deshaun gets back, now that would mean they have to go 5-1 and one probably for them to make the playoffs, but it's doable. Deshaun is great. This roster, if they can all stay healthy, is amazing. And if they get hot at that point, do not sleep on the Browns. To be one of the last teams standing. I'm just telling you that. That's where I'm at with Cleveland. I'm going to stay on that all year long. I'm going to grade them. You know, like I said, I would have put them in the Elite Eight if they wouldn't have bungled the game against the Jets on Sunday. They played really well. And then kind of just got away from them. But this is a really good team, man. And as long as Jacoby can win the games that we expect them to win and maybe play well enough to, you know, where you can shoot over your skis a little bit. Any win in those games we think that they're going to lose, it's found money for the Jets. If you have more than five wins going into when Deshaun comes back, you're going to be sitting there thinking, holy shit, we're cooking. And that's absolutely possible. Now, a lot of people are going to think, oh, Deshaun hasn't played in so long, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, absolutely, it's going to take him a while to get going. Like I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to kind of knock the dust off. I don't. I, I I fully expect him in that Houston game to play pretty shitty, you know. But there's a chance he could also gather all of it up and just come out and be lights out. People forget he is one of the best players alive. He's one of the best quarterbacks alive. I get the narrative is to not like him anymore, but we gotta call us. We don't get on this show to talk about anything other than what happens in between the lines, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, baseball, whatever. We talk we come on this show to talk about what happens between the lines ninety nine point nine percent of the time. And in this situation, you know, obviously we talk about free agency, stuff like that, but you get what I'm saying. And trades, whatever. But when we're in this situation, saying anything other than Deshaun Watson when he's on isn't one of the best players in the league, you're lying to yourself. And if the Browns this year can be good enough when he comes back and then get anything close to the highest-level version of Deshaun, this team is absolutely a team that could be the last team standing when we get to Arizona in February. But it's early. I just wanted to paint that picture for the people because it's the first time we've really just sat back and talked about Cleveland. So, it's a team I really like, and I know again we don't like him. Deshaun though has been one of my favorite players since uh, since he was in college, and I'm just talking about obviously the on the field stuff. You know, when I'm when I watch sit back to watch him play. There are not many people that I enjoy to put on my television and watch play football. He is a absolute dynamo. And again, if you're if you don't if you again if you watch the games and you don't feel that way about Deshaun or don't think he's high I understand that people don't like him now, but if you watch the games and don't believe how talented he is, again you're just lying to yourself. That's why this Cleveland team, when everything comes around to end the season, that's why they traded Baker. That's, or they, they got, they, they wanted to move up Baker. That's why they went out and got him. And I think people will understand. Hopefully the Browns keep playing well and shout out to Jacoby Brissett, man. In all honesty, I know we're talking about, Hey, just be good enough for when the guy comes back, but he was terrible last year and through three games, he has done, I think a really, really good job. Uh, I think he has been absolutely outstanding and, the team is really bought into him succeeding, and let's be real—he's playing for his life, his NFL career. Really, as a potential guy that can be a starter, if he plays well this season, while they're while they're waiting for Deshaun, he is absolutely punching his ticket to be an option for a team next year that has a quarterback conundrum. Absolutely, I'll tell you this—he'd be the best quarterback if he this version of him would probably be the best version of uh, would be the best quarterback in the Steelers' uh, quarterback room. You can't tell me otherwise. He'd be the he'd be the best quarterback in the Giants' quarterback room. Would he be the best quarterback in the Panthers' one? I don't know. He he'd be the best quarterback on the Falcons. There's I mean, listen. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in this league right now. But Brissett, this version of him through three weeks, love it and hope and I hope he can keep it up. All right, we'll take a break. Mac Fulton, Sinister Six on the other side. Next, this episode is brought to you by the Corner Tap. Who doesn't need a solid handcuff on their fantasy squad? Grab a bite to eat at Clint's Draft House while watching the noon games and then head on over across the Moline-Rock Island border to the Corner Tap for some libations during the 3 o'clock games. Every Sunday is fun day at the Corner Tap with $3 Tallboys, Bloody Marys, Jack Daniels, and $2 PBR Drafts. Head into the Corner Tap, 4018 14th Avenue, Rock Island, and get into the end zone. Alright, as always, enough bullshit. It's time to get real, son. It is Sinister Six time, and boy oh boy, we have to be better. That is the theme of the day. Today is being better, because holy piss were we bad last week. Yeah,
1: I thought it was bad week one. I mean, given my record was worse. Man, week two was. Week three was rough for us.
0: Yeah, week two was great. It's like we got a little bit lucky. Uh, we got some nice breaks, so we decided to say, "Fuck it, let's just throw shit in the wall and hope it sticks." Um, you know, in review, listen, you know, some stuff happens. Sometimes you take a twelve and a half point dog, thinking, you know, and you're and you're in the number for like two and a half, three quarters, and then it falls apart, Max. Sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes yeah. that happens.
1: I mean, sometimes you just got to be bold with
0: your picks, and I mean, it burns you sometimes. Sometimes and that happens. We wrote a
1: team too far, so. and then
0: and, and then sometimes, sometimes you write, you know, you take a team that you absolutely got by off the skin of your ass a week ago, and you decide, fuck it, let's ride it again. and And sometimes, when you do that. They're down 38-7 after three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even hey, close to within Cons- the number. Considering
1: that was the score after three, they made it a pretty close game.
0: Yeah, but, but it didn't matter. It didn't Anything. matter at that point. Yeah. All right. And then sometimes, sometimes, Mech. let me, can you quote the question back to me that I asked you last week about the Miami-Texas A&M game? Was it? Do we really trust Miami? Just get 10 no, points? no. The question was, I said, if Texas A&M scores seventeen, all we need, Mac, all we needed was them to score twelve. <laughs> Guess what? They didn't fucking do it. <laughs> they scored nine. Yeah. They're getting to the. They're getting inside the five and they're kicking right. field goals.
1: Let's just put it this way: Miami's in exile for the rest of the year. We're Blacklisted. They are blacklisted. Fucking... Uh, only upside about the weekend was at least I was two for three in the NFL.
0: Oh, yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> you fade your own team and, ha- and cheer for them coming back down 30 points in the second half. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we need to be better. If they would have actually gave Justin Fields the touchdown in that Bears game in the fourth quarter, I would have won 0-6. If it wasn't for that, I would have won 0-6. Because the Bears, would it would have been like probably like 24. It probably would have been like 17-14 maybe. Or the Bears might have won. Who knows? But yeah, that's that's a fair point. Horrific. Horrific. That was, oh, man. All right. What we're going to
1: do now is we're going to take those picks we're going to dig grave and we're going to put them in there and not think about them again.
0: It's like the little like the little man we buried at Monmouth. Yep. Buried the little man. Isn't it wild that that team the year before lost to Grinnell? How'd that happen? I would have loved to be a we fly are. on the wall for that game. Here we
1: are.
0: So, am I wrong though? Could you like how on earth did that happen in our lifetime?
1: I mean, I don't know, our
0: freshman year we can't say much more, so we want five and five. Yeah, but at least we were we didn't lose the fucking Grinnell. We How lost the Cornell though. Very true. Very true. In a weird wacky fashion. Missed like so. three kicks. Couldn't you know but I mean that happens. That was the only like bad one. I just wanna know the year Grinnell was awful. The like, year we beat him the year after, like by sixty. I played that day. And then I broke my leg the next day. That's how bad we beat them. I got a rep. I got multiple reps. Mac Fulton? You did. Just put that on the resume. God. Can Miami score 12? Nope. I'm still I back. guess that answer, we know that
1: answer now. I, I mean, hate it here.
0: All right, so the, we have officially compiled a blacklist in Miami Hurricanes. They are on it. The uh, Washington Commanders—they are on it.
1: Hey, I was right there. I mean, I would have told you from a mile away.
0: Well, right. you know, listen—we're um, probably not going to put the Bears on here anytime soon. Not for a while, at least. Wanted to put you wanted to put the Dolphins on this, but I said I eh. did. I don't know. Too many variables. They could hang around. They could lose like forty-five to ten. Bills are awesome. So, I'm not... They're fun sure. to watch, man. They're really fun to watch. I don't think we had any uh, college games that barely missed the cut like last week. Like, we wanted... Um, we really wanted Kansas, but there's no way we're going to lay eight and a half for Kansas. And they played
1: Friday night, too. So, like, there's kind no, of threw off there. Uh, the only other game that was potentially, I think it was... Uh, didn't I mention... Penn? Was it Penn State.
0: I don't know. I don't think so. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up real quick. Michigan State. Oh no,
1: the other game was North Carolina Notre Dame, but that was because the line moved the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, we thought about. We talked for a moment about Michigan State Minnesota. That That was okay. That was
1: the one. That was the one.
0: That line's moved like crazy. It started off like Sparty minus one and a half, and now it's like Minnesota minus three, which is probably the right side, but I don't know. Too much movement yeah, there. Yeah,
1: I, I think it is right.
0: So, I feel pretty good about this week. A lot better than last week. I Though, feel like it's more straightforward for us this week. To an extent. Though, <laughs> we're going to start at the scene of the crime of Miami <laughs> not scoring 12. Those fucking <laughs> bastards. All right. In Jerry World. Question. Question. It, who has a worse quarterback situation, Texas A and M, or Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys? Honestly, I'd rather have
1: Dallas. I'd rather have Cooper Rush as my quarterback than Haynes King right now, or Max Johnson.
0: Hey, though, in all fairness, Mac jo- Max Johnson controlled the game, didn't fuck it up like Haynes King did for I will, two weeks. I
1: will take my bow there and say that you know Max
0: Johnson should have been the starter from day one. Should have, I guess. I and guess I said that,
1: but here we are.
0: Here we are. Would they have beaten App State with him? I don't know, but here, but that's neither here nor there. They got back exactly. on track, and now they honestly can get back on track. Listen, if they would have lost to Miami, as we said last week, they were staring down the barrel of one and what five in the face because they have this. They got Mississippi State, they got Bama. Not an easy stretch of life. Now they overwhelm Miami. Taylor Van Dyke couldn't hit a wide open like like Taylor Van Dyke couldn't hit a wide open receiver if you know his family got kidnapped and their lives were on the line. He was horrendous, uh we rated him so much higher than he has the any right to be. that was so bad. I regretted every decision we ever made watching that dude play quarterback. I was like, "What on earth was that performance? He was terrible uh anywho Arkansas coming in. Um, they won this game last year. This was kind of their I mean the Texas beatdown was kind of their like, hey, we're kinda of frisky. And then when they played AM and they they won like twenty to ten, but they really they put them in a meat blender or they put them in a pull they pulverized them for sixty minutes. And it was like, you know, this was the hey Arkansas is good game. Now can this be the hey, Texas A&M is kinda okay game? Or can Arkansas, who is catching one and a half I don't know if them being dogs is the right side. I feel like after last week, they struggled for three quarters against Missouri State. Now, granted, Missouri State is feisty, but then all of a sudden, Missouri State just couldn't block them for the fourth quarter. That was an absolute mess. And Arkansas started dominating them up front, and they kind of ran away with it late. Um, Arkansas, Mac, would you say they're – Better than we thought they would be at this stage Even though they kind of flirted with disaster last week for a half I mean, they're,
1: I think they're as good as advertised before, like in the preseason um, Yes, they lost key players going into this year But when you still have your quarterback in KJ Jefferson You still retain your head coach in Pittman like Everything is lining up that they can replicate what they did last season
0: um, and Jefferson's like almost throwing better than last year without an he, NFL weapon.
1: Yeah. I, I I totally agree. His mechanics look a lot better. Everything looks more tight and sh- like straight to the point and not loopy anymore. Um, and losing Traylon Brooks, you would think his stats would you know regress a little bit, but here we are. You know, through three games,
0: and the dude still is throwing for seven seventy and six touchdowns. So. <laughs> he's a threat and he's a threat in the running game and Rocket Sanders has been a stud at running back. Yes, right he now. has been. He he has been really good. Uh but this and obviously this is a Texas A and M defense that is gonna grind. I would I probably think the under is the play in this game. I don't remember what it is. I didn't actually write it on the sheet this week. Oh uh, forty eight and a half.
1: Which yes, it is it, an under play all day.
0: Uh A and M as the one and a half point favorites. They can save a lot winning this week because then you can still – obviously the playoffs is out of the realm of possibility after the App State game, which is a disaster for them. Like They should be hanging around. They have too much invested in too many of the right spots to not be a team that is on the border of the playoff. But a New Year's Six bull is alive if they can win this game and then rally because then really it's like, all right, if you win this game, then it goes back to like, okay – their only loss, hopefully, the rest of the year, if, if you're an optimist, is the Bama game. They could really, you know, get going okay. throughout the rest of the year.
1: My question for you then, I guess, is if A&M rights the ship completely, they get hot at the right time, right before Bama, they beat Bama again. Let's just say I don't think it will happen, but let's just say it does. And they finish the year 11-1, and 12-1 if they go to the SEC championship. Yeah. They're back in contention for a playoff.
0: Yeah, no, they would have to win out. I'm just saying without with the Bama loss. If they no, my uh, yeah, point, yeah, I agree. Because I don't think they'll beat Bama. Now, granted, nah. here's the thing though. If they do, you know, you win this, you win against Mississippi State, then you play Bama to start, you know, early October. The what is Bama's issues? Their offensive line has been disastrous. They can't separate. The issue isn't sure. there's no look, we have a thousand question marks about Texas A&M's offense. Their defense is still for real. Their defense is still playing really well. Their problem is their offense of scheme is horrendous. Uh, But, again, Max Johnson was able to keep them afloat and Devin Aitchane and Aniah Smith, they were actually able to get them the ball in positions to make plays. So maybe that's a step in the right direction. However, with all that said, I'm I'm just betting this game on principle. I'm going to take Arkansas with the point and a half. I would love it if it was more obviously, but I'm just going to say I look, we we saw Miami, like we obviously know their offense we cannot trust. Their coach we cannot trust in big games. We know That Texas a or that Arkansas, we know they've got some moxie with Sam Pittman in big games. We know we can trust KJ Jefferson, and this offense to be feasible. They're not going to have to score too, too much. I think they can find a way to out grit a And M as long as their defense can make can can continue to keep a And M's offense in shambles. I think this will be like a seventeen to fourteen. 20-17 20-17 to 17 type of game, I think the under is going to clear with these, and I think Arkansas is going to win, and that's why I have Arkansas plus one and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree with you on Arkansas one and a half. I think giving Arkansas points in this game, even though it's in Texas, I don't really think home field, like, there's no really home field advantage is going to play a role here. Arkansas is going to travel well. Yeah, it's a one and a half. So it's a lot. Going in the Jerry world.
0: Yeah, Yes, so it's a neutral site game. This is Jer- um, This is the Jerry yeah. Jones Bowl, baby. The,
1: KJ Jefferson is just too. I think it's going to be too much. And we've seen with teams with very strong run games against, you know, with A and M. If they can control the football, A and M's in trouble because they they take forever to move down the field offensively.
0: Exactly. So.
1: I think – we saw that with App State. Like when, Once the App State had the ball on offense, A&M was never going to touch the ball again. This could be I think their... if Arkansas can touch that, kind of like use that playbook, but like also snap on those big plays, I do agree. I think it's going to be in the range of like 20 to 13, 21, 17 Arkansas.
0: That, yeah, this – they're not going to take total – because App State's offense just couldn't do much – outside of, you know, a few things here or there and they grind it a lot. But if they can take that that type of style and the 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 book is thirty nine to twenty one minutes time of possession in favor of the Razorbacks at the end of the game, then the juices are moving and we're feeling fantastic about Arkansas in the one and a half. Exactly. All right. Moving on I'm gonna skip one. We're gonna go to this one next. I want to go Oregon and Washington. Oregon at 18th in the country. Washington or Washington State, excuse me. Washington State at plus six and a half. Washington State that big win a couple weeks ago against Wisconsin on the road, uh, knocking off the Badgers. Very impressive. It's a this is it's a weird spot here, but. This is one of those situations, Mac, where do we trust Oregon on the road, laying this much against a team that a lot of people, including us, think has some fight? And I want to throw a theory at you real quick, and I want to see if you're with me on this. It's on the Pac-12 in general, okay? So we obviously kind of all wrote the Pac-12 off, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think we all I think we all agree
1: that they were either the fourth or fifth best conference in college football.
0: I saw someone talk about this, and they made a fantastic point, and I'm with them. The, you got to think when the the COVID year. All right, so look at the year right before that. You had Oregon, Utah. Both of those teams were really good. You still had a couple other frisky teams in the Pac-12 that were solid in 2019 Oregon won the Rose Bowl that year Uh, Utah if I'm not yeah Utah was the five was ranked fifth going into that weekend they would have made the playoff if they wouldn't have got beat by Oregon going into that weekend if you don't remember so like the Pac-12 like before COVID was still solid just not as down as we thought they were but then the COVID year happens they barely play Lots of teams aren't even able to practice together. And basically, the entire West Coast loses a year, compared to the rest of college football, way worse than the other powers. Last year, I think, was a struggle, but a lot of those teams really kind of finding their footing again. And what are we seeing now? uh, Look, Oregon bounced back with a really nice win last week. Even, like, the Georgia game was side. We both agree Georgia's going to do that to everybody. But look at some other really good teams in the Pac-12. USC has been balling. Washington huge win. They beat. Don't look at that score and think that was close. They took Michigan State to Pound Town on Saturday. Washington State gets a huge win on the road. Oregon State's undefeated. That game in Corvallis on Saturday is going to be really frisky. The fact that it's on the Pac-12 network is an absolute shame. That game is going to be awesome between the Spar- uh, between the Trojans and the Beavers. Oregon, as we stated, they're a really solid team. Utah is a team that is ne- that is highly ranked and we think uh, a lot of. Obviously, Utah last year, they're out- outstanding other than them. Last year, not many big Pac-12 teams – Showed out. Oregon had a nice win here, or there, but the but the bottom of the con, like from the from the middle third to the bottom of the conference was so bad. But now the conference is rising up, and all these teams have got their footing again, and tra- and transfers are going there. After they pretty much avoided them last year, the Pac-12 Mac, I mean, saying they're back is hyperbole. But I, what do you think about that that kind of theory? It seems like last year. It was almost a a kind of a reset year for a lot of teams in that league. And now this league is really deep, really good, really viable. And there's a lot of really solid teams in it.
1: I agree to an extent. Like, I do think there is three teams that can probably be top 15 teams in the country this year that are there. Um, And they have another batch of, like, four teams that are going to be either ranked or just on the outside. And that's going to be like your Washington stage, your Oregon States who are going to have a good year, but they're not going to be like phenomenal. But yeah, I think they definitely from the last few years that we've seen, they have taken massive steps in the right direction. And I think for them, it's perfect timing, especially when you're losing two of your biggest names in your conference, given Oregon football is a lot more prestigious than UCLA football. But as a name, UCLA is a lot bigger. Um, and that could be very, very lucrative for them when they go and try to realign again this next time around,
0: yeah you're you are right, and maybe they can snag some of them West Coast group of five schools uh or or something you know in that vicinity to really align and booster up you know boast up what they've got when we get to the weirdness of the college football Super League. But, I mean, whenever that Super League does happen, which we think it'll happen before the end of this decade, all those schools will be invested in it because they are at least a part of that power of So, But I just wanted to make that statement um, about the Pac-12, and uh, I feel like we should put some respect on their name. Anyway, on the point of this game, Mac, Oregon-Washington State, where are you feeling? What are you feeling in this? Um, this game is going to be
1: an interesting one, I think. It might be the one of the more entertaining games. Oregon has bounced back, and they've looked like night and day from week one. Again, like we said, Georgia doing that, the team, we just got to expect that they're just going to be dominating throughout the SEC oh, yeah. until they have to go play in the championship, SEC championship, championship. But what Oregon did against BYU last week, I think, was a clear indication of how much how. The steps that they have taken since week one, and they're like trending in the right direction again. Do I think they're going to be a one-loss team this year? No. I think they're going to be
0: nine or, probably a 9-1 team. But
1: that's not bad
0: considering you have a new coach, Dan Lanning. Um, yeah, there's and now, again there's, again, there's way too many good teams in the Pac-12 for them to be able to just mow through people because they're going to eventually – they always have their one stinker in the conference. They always have one they shouldn't lose. Um, and especially now with you know Bo Nix as your quarterback, um, I I think Oregon they're 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 definitely in the eight to four nine and three range this year I believe.
1: Yeah, and I think
0: I don't want to do this, but I
1: have, I'll take Oregon here. Ooh. Um, I'll swallow the points. So Oregon minus um, six and a half. From what we saw last year – last week, I mean, against BYU, I think BYU is a better football team than Washington State is, and, and they were able to dismantle BYU pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to keep – they're going to keep building on that and
0: keep going. All right. I'm going Washington State plus the points, and here's why. The Bo Nicks ride, it's not an a easy – Ride on calm waters, Mac. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. And my logic is to fade Bo Nix. That is my sole purpose of taking Washington State in the points. I will not be upset if this comes back to bite I, me in the ass. If that I think happens.
1: You have a valid point here, though. If that, ha- point.
0: if that happens, Oregon is blacklisted. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, that's where I'm feeling with Washington State. Plus the points, uh, it's it's more of a fade Bo Nix line than a not feeling well about Oregon line. Uh, I just that's where I'm at, and I think Washington stay at home. Hey boys, I don't need you to win. I just need you to not lose by more than a touchdown. All right, just keep it close. Keep it close, baby. Uh, Mac Fulton. I don't know if you'd call this the game of the week in college football, but it's pretty close. Uh, Florida. At Tennessee, everyone knows how great this rivalry is, even though Florida's owned them forever. The games are always batshit crazy. The fan bases are also batshit crazy. And this game has easily the most batshit crazy line I've ever seen because Tennessee is getting. Tennessee is favored by 10.5 at home against Florida. Mac, I'm going to ask you this question and. I want to know where you're at on this. Is Tennessee way overvalued and way overhyped, maybe? What am I not seeing here? Man. Um
1: So Tennessee I think this year going into this year, they 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 weren't slept on, but they weren't like talked to where they are at now.
0: Well yeah, well but here's the they, thing. Their people, offense is people, stupid, good. Their offense is well, stupid good, I... they got a high-level receiver, and Hendon Hooker's really good. We missed out on ranking some of the Tennessee guys, by the way. Oh, yeah,
1: I agree 100% there. Um, I think what reaffirmed everybody's belief about Tennessee is what they did going to play Pittsburgh. Um, that game kind of shows what Tennessee was, that they could get up for big games and not lose, which they've been doing in the past probably for the last decade.
0: Um, that is a fair point. They also
1: this you know, is
0: probably
1: the most. I would say I don't know, probably the most respected and like highly anticipated team that came out of Tennessee this like this year is since the team with Josh Dobbs and Alvin Kamara, and that team went a stinker that year.
0: I uh, they went what nine and four? Eight, probably they were eight and four. Yeah. Eight and four. I um, mean, listen. They so like this they played year, a I lot of they played a lot of weird games that year. Man. Yeah, they did. Hey, um, They dude. also had Jawan Jennings, who's now one of the top receivers in San Francisco, so shout out to You're them. Not
1: wrong. Um
0: but Tennessee, I think they are a better football team this year.
1: My concern with
0: everything here
1: for this game is I can't trust Anthony Richardson at the quarterback position. Okay. The guy the guy is way too reckless with the ball. Um, he's his,
0: still young. His, I think that's a
1: big reason.
0: His flat um, out passing numbers, Mac, are gross. They're gross, Mac. They're so bad. 40, I think that's what I'm saying, 41 to 77 for 423 yards in 3 games and, and no touchdowns, four picks. His And people really want to tell me he's a first round pick. On what earth? What tape? What statistics? man i just
1: i need to see him actually maintain a game protect the football and do more than just running the ball because we're not seeing that at this moment and hooker is going to go in there and just completely outshine him and make him look
0: foolish so here's the question that i have does does tennessee's defense have enough so here's the okay. Here's what uh, here's the reason I was impressed with Pittsburgh. I thought that game was going to be forty-five, forty-two type of thing, and it wasn't. Tennessee. Now, granted, Slovis got hurt at the end of the half, but they they was only gave up seventeen at half. Now, Tennessee, we it was like offense is awesome, high level, high powered, full force, and defense is insanely gross. Like bad. But Okay, I mean you could say the same thing about Florida this no, year too. No, their defense is
1: extremely bad too. No,
0: this is what I'm this is what I'm getting at. So like the reason I'm I'm like, all right, I can see it with Tennessee is they 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 showed me against Pittsburgh that they were able to win a game that they didn't have to score forty five points against a team that had a pulse and had legitimate offensive, you know, depth and and prowess. How do they sustain stuff throughout the year? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. A part of me, like, here's my biggest issue with this line. It's that at the end of the day, Tennessee hasn't been tested to where, like, even in a sense, they haven't played a quarterback like Richardson who is really going, look, he's a horrendous just quarterback as a passer, but as an athlete and a college quarterback that's going to mix things up, he's an absolute dynamo and a ridiculously talented guy. So I understand why some people love it, but I feel like the, re- the thing that I always get mad about about college quarterbacks that I see an absolute ceiling on is people try to tell me that they're oh, a first-round pick like Anthony Richardson and Taylor Van Dyke and Will Levis. And I'm like, shut up, man. Shut up. Like, you want to put these guys and not talk about guys like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, especially Bryce Young, who does everything for Alabama. Because if it wasn't for him, the the carriage, the castle would burn down, the, the the car would be run off the road like Princess Diana was. Shout out to her. I'm just saying, man, not a lot of good things without him. And people want to tell me Anthony Richardson, oh, Heisman guy, first-round pick, woota wuda whatever. I'm just saying, off my tangent. In this case of Florida, the reason, here's what, I have Florida plus ten and a half, and it's because I just think it's a ridiculously, like, way too high amount, like, way too much points, like, way too many points for a game like this where we haven't seen Tennessee prove that they can actually handle a team like Florida, who I do think is solid. They have attributes. Napier's a good coach and whatnot. Like I won't be shocked if Tennessee wins, but I will. Like if Tennessee wins and covers, and I lose and I'm on the wrong side of this, then it will be me saying, "All right, Tennessee, I believe in you, and you're legit." Like SEC championship playoff team? No, I don't think so. But then I would definitely believe in them. They're easy. Like if they blow, if they win this game and blow Florida out, which would be essentially what they're doing, Mac, if they cover, I would say you're easily the second best team in the East. You're easily one of the 10 to 12 best teams in college football, and you're, you're a team that could win on any weekend if the right things happen. I need to see that before I believe it. That's why I'm going with 10 and a half for Florida because it's just it's hard for me to say yeah Tennessee's going to blow Florida out when they've beaten them once in the last like two decades.
1: I I, I understand what you're saying. I, I I think all your points are valid. About- I just don't know if this Florida offense is competent enough to get into a shootout with the team to keep it close.
0: That's Um, fair. That is fair. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if it wasn't for USF Center being a double agent, they might have lost to the Bulls last weekend. Like, they very well could have. (laughs) Yeah. And they'd be willing to. And
1: also the fact of this game being at Neyland Stadium, I think that gives them a couple points. I think Tennessee does cover. Um ten and a half is a lot, but I think this offense is so dynamic and it might be there might I think Tennessee might be the third or fourth best team in this conference. So um and that's saying a lot considering where Tennessee was a few years back.
0: i their their coach is uh Heupel, right? Yes. Okay. So I thought.
1: It was Pruitt, and then he got chased out.
0: So. so, no, I'm with you, man. Like, again, their offense is great. They're taking the right steps. They have really good players. We, I'm sure even Nick would agree. We missed on ranking some of their guys in the top 50. Like, Hendon Hooker's been really good. And as a college quarterback, he's very dynamic. Look,
1: I mean, I think at the end of the year, we'll need to go back and, like. Yeah, we'll do a revision.
0: Man. We'll do a revision. Yeah. All right, next, Uh, real quick, we're going to actually take a quick break. We'll come back with the NFL slate uh, here on the Sinister Six Pod. We'll be right back. So it is brought to you by Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week, smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Cavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. For Fantasy Sake has teamed up with Route 96 Boutique to raise a little more cash for Toys for Tots this season. From September 11th until the end of November, off of all purchases made with Route 96 on Sundays will be donated to us for our Toys for Tots drive. At Route 96, they believe in girl power. They want a place that people of all shapes and sizes can shop and feel empowered and beautiful. They want you to be the best you possible, and they are committed to bringing you different styles while also providing some basics to express the true you. You can find them on Facebook and at Route96Boutique.com. Again, that's Route96Boutique.com. All right, welcome back. No alt lines, no teases. Exo- maybe eventually we're gonna just start throwing. Maybe that's how we what we should add to the show. Mac is every week we just throw out some ridiculous 17 teaser together and see if it <laughs> hits. That would be something, man. That would be something. Put like five bucks on it. Like, remember when we were talking about after the over-unders pod, when we were all talking about throwing a bet together that had to honestly, do with the Colts? Think, and thank God we didn't do that.
1: I, I still think they're going to win the division.
0: But That's fine, but that one seed value that we thought could be a thing. I don't know. No, no. I,
1: I honestly think we have still – if we would have gone through with it, with the doing the eight division winners, I think we still probably would have hit that.
0: Well, it would have been like – all the Colts bets, it would have been like, guys, they had no shot, but we liked the process. We liked the process. (laughs) We liked the process. It made sense. That's what we would be telling ourselves. We're going to be like, God damn it. You know what we should do, though, is when you, me, Nick, and Nick do the inevitable MLB playoff podcast that we haven't talked about yet but know is going to happen – we need to talk we need to do like a five minute segment at the beginning of it and talk about uh, who we think the first coach fired will be, and it definitely might be Frank Reich
1: yeah, if they don't turn it around, he might be the guy.
0: he very well could be. all right, we're going to start this off. Raiders Tex, uh Titans is our first NFL game uh Raiders, two and a half point favorites the theme of the NFL week. It's like the theme of the Sinister Six this week, Mac. Bounce back. Bounce back. And this right here is the bounce back bowl. 2-0 and two teams. Two teams that people thought would be better than they are graded. People thought the Raiders would be better than what people thought the Titans would be. But regardless, this is the bounce back bowl. It is bounce back week for us. So it is fitting to start off the NFL portion of the Six with this matchup. Raiders minus two and a half. Going to Tennessee? Question mark, or is this in Vegas? Can you get that for it's me? In, it's in Tennessee. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, Mac, I'll start with you. Give me a good, give me a good spiel on this, if you could, for me.
1: All right. So, I'm just gonna keep it one on the Tennessee side. I think they are very, very mediocre, and they need to figure out their quarterback room quick. Or it'll be too late for them to even figure out what the hell's going on. And that means Malik Willis needs
0: to be probably starting this upcoming week. No. No, no, care. no, no, no.
1: Ryan Tannehill has been terrible this year.
0: You going there though? You're gonna that's coaching malpractice. I'm just saying, I again The fact that he even I got call, reps I at call. the end of that Buffalo game, it looked like they were trying to kill him.
1: So I mean, you've always, but you've always been the person who says trial by fire. I've always been the guy who says give him time, let him build up, and let him go. I just think this situation in Tennessee might get out of their hand too fast, it, and it, they may need they, they may need a shot in the arm. I
0: understand, and it, might be tra- and it might be that. I guess maybe I just haven't thought of it. Maybe I just haven't thought of it, and maybe so, and maybe my thing is I just don't think Malik Willis is good. So the. Maybe though. That's, that's just where I'm at.
1: I don't think he's as good as he was advertised coming out of the draft. So I just think that Tennessee they have a quarterback problem. Tannehill's not their guy. Who's no. next in line is Malik Willis. Nick, that, that's my point.
0: Nick Wright has a fantastic spiel on the career arc of Ryan Tannehill, and it's it might be spot on. So it uh, he Vegas. Told me... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay.
1: So Vegas. Oh, actually, no. I want to hear what you
0: say about Tannehill. So, Nick, this isn't. So, I still I'm stealing this from Nick Wright. Um, shout out to him. Quit being defensive about the Chiefs anytime people talk about the Bills being good. Anywho, uh, <laughs> that's my that's that's my that's my Nick Wright tangent today. Uh, he's goaded though. Anyway, he says about Jake DeL- or uh, about Brian Tannehill. Shit, I just buried <laughs> the lead. He basically says he's got the career arc now of Jake DeLome, where DeLome was good and. Won a good amount of games, even made a Super Bowl. Granted, Tannehill never made a Super Bowl, but he's won a lot of games, made the AFC title game a few years ago. And then for Jake DeLome, uh, they were the one seed, and they hosted – it was the year the Cardinals made the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner and Fitz and whatnot. They played the Cardinals, and DeLome threw, I think, like five picks in a game in Carolina in the divisional round. And for after that, it broke him. Like he was done, basically. I think they said he only—he said he only started like sixteen games the rest of his career. Tannehill, as the one seed hosting the Bengals, a team they should beat, throws three picks: one to start the game, a horrendous one right in the middle of the game, one basically to end the game. And now, two weeks in, he's been pretty, pretty mediocre, uh, to say the least. I don't think he was. I don't think he's the reason they're 0-2, but I think he's been pretty bad. Like, he's been, but he's, he hasn't been, he has done anything to help. I was going to say,
1: he hasn't helped Tennessee's cause.
0: Right. So, I thought that was a very interesting take, and I was like, ooh, I like that. That's a good one. Okay. So,
1: back to the Vegas now. Sorry. Am I wrong to say that Las Vegas is the best 0-2 team in football? Great point. We are nine points away from them being 2-0. and 0. Yeah, but... But last week, they should have won that game. Yeah, yeah, last they, week. They would have been they would have been able to hold on to the
0: football. I can't say that they... Damn it, I was going to say the Colts, but they're not fucking 0-2. Shit. Oh, the Bengals. <laughs> no, the Bengals. Bengals are better than the Raiders, I Again, think. Yeah, I the Bengals know. are better I, than I, the Raiders.
1: Okay, I, I can concede that. Joe Burrow needs to step up a little bit, but yeah, I can give you that.
0: Bengals are more because um, there's a the thing. There's only four, four zero and two teams, and two zero one and as, one teams. My point,
1: my point being is that Vegas at least should be one in one right now, and yeah, their record does not show sure how good they actually are. As no, a team.
0: I don't see. I again, and here's the thing: like the regression that kind of happened this week. What did I say? The reason I was hammering the Vegas under Mac is like. They won all these games by ridiculous, crazy last play things. Yeah. Like it wasn't going to happen again. Now, no, I, I agree 100% sh- there. Now, I'm shocked that Derek Carr has started as bad as he has. The, what, five picks through two games is stunning, very stunning. I don't know, how much have you watched The Herd this week? Uh, This week, not much. I watched okay. some of his – actually, I mean, eh, I watched a decent amount, but nothing on the Raiders. Why, what do you got?
1: Okay, so he was talking about uh, – Colin was talking about quarterbacks and, like, their production level, this, like, so far the first two weeks. And he goes – he was talking about Derek Carr, and they're like, are you concerned or are you, like, are you happy with this performance, Something like that? And he goes, like, it's pretty much where I expect him to be. He has done nothing wrong to hurt this team. He's actually kept this team afloat and kept this team competitive in games. And it's not his fault his team doesn't know how to keep control of the ball.
0: So I said this Sunday, like, listen – the reason they lost Sunday was because Kyler Murray just went oh. bananas. Like He kinda, had a game of all games
1: for
0: him. Kyler Murray, Murray kind of had his y'all must have forgot game, you know, where he, you know, the Sugar Ray, uh, I think it was Sugar Ray, the doing the y'all must have forgot. That was spectacular. And he absolutely dominated in the second half. And when Kyler's on – he's incredible he's one of the most special players in the league the the there are some concerns with the raiders because it is weird with them like again the car protecting the ball thing who would have thought that renfro fumbled and they got lucky and then literally the next play he fumbles and they house it like again those are the types of plays that they were on the other side of last year so all of my reasoning to fade the raiders this year has been like they got it felt like they got well, so lucky last year same it's thing well with the Bengals.
1: Like, you're faking them as well warranted. I agree. Um, for this game though, I'm taking, I'm taking Vegas here. Yeah, me too. I think there's a better team. There's a better team. <laughs> <laughs> a better
0: team. <laughs> me too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, road favorites, especially in a game where this could be tight, could be tough. Now, Tennessee's got to get Derrick Henry going, man. Like the they do. He's been really stifled. Can they get tipped? Like the ra- this could be the defense for it to happen. Um, but we we have an early candidate for a loser Leafs Town Bowl on Sunday between these two teams because I don't think either one of these teams make the playoffs, but definitely whoever loses this game is <laughs> Big Red X, wouldn't you say? They're done, though. Yeah. I agree.
1: They're done, though, after this.
0: All right, moving on. Uh, Bengals on the road against the Jets. Bengals are minus four and a half. The Jets... Uh, shout out to Amari Cooper for getting his Odell Beckham on and not wanting any of the smoke on an onside kick. Can't believe nobody talked about that what whatsoever like they did Odell. Uh, but whatever. I digress. Uh, Bengals minus four and a half on the road against the Jets. Now, the the Jets being, you know, in this spot, less than a touchdown dog is very odd to me. They—I don't say they have no business winning last week, but it was impressive that they were able to find a way. Look, man, a lot of their young players are playing well, and Joe Flacco found a way. I guess it makes no sense, but you know, Garrett Wilson was great. They have young guys on that offense that played well. Brees Hall, Michael Carter, some of their linemen. Their defense has younger guys that are solid. But if there was, like, the Bengals have to figure this out. Like, they have to. And Burrow does have to be better. Like, people want to say on the offensive line all they want, but it's the same thing I talk about sometimes now with Justin Fields. Like, you hold on to the ball too long, you're back there waiting for something to happen, you got to get rid of the ball. And a lot of these sacks sometimes can't, like, they're on Burrow. They're on Burrow. You can't just wait for the perfect play. Now, here's the thing, too. His offensive coach, Zach Taylor, needs to... Fucking design easy throws for him. When you have the best offense on the planet Earth, it shouldn't be that hard. But hey, who am I? I'm just a dumb media guy, as they told me a couple years ago. What do I know? Anywho, Bengals minus 4.5 is the right play. For the love of God, Zach Taylor, figure it out because a lot of us are starting to realize that you're a dumbass that got carried to the Super Bowl last year by Luck and Joe Burrow being really good. Uh, If the Bengals don't cover this game... We, five, not just win, but if they don't even cover, five alarm fires all over the shop for the Bengals. Uh, and
1: the Bengals will be blacklisted.
0: Yeah, if the Bengals don't cover this game, blacklist. And this is the first time we bet them, but, like, blacklist city if they don't cover this week. Um, I don't know.
1: The Bengals are not the same team as they were last year, and they're I am going to have own this up because I thought they were going to be a lot better than what they are. Um, I was one of the few in the over and under podcast that we did that I had them as the over. Right now, they don't look like even close to that kind of team.
0: I think they'll figure uh, it out and they'll be around. But there's too many good teams in the AFC to be – And so There's too many good AFC you, teams to to be – to lose games like they did. Like, okay, the Steelers so, game, whatever. It happens. You have a lot of shitty turnovers, that's bad luck, whatever. The Dallas game, there's no there is no excuse for that whatsoever.
1: So my reasoning here is this is bad for Cincinnati with the start. And if they continue this path, even if they win a few games and they still are a losing record, come week 11 or 12. Yeah, come week 12 or 13, they're in trouble because that division gets a lot better.
0: Like, that's a lot tougher of a division when uh, Deshaun Watson comes back. True, but I don't believe he will play the Bengals. Like, I think the Bengals get him twice before he comes back. No, I'm just saying. Like, they're digging themselves into a hole right now. That The in- AFC North
1: is a lot better than what we all anticipated. And Which-
0: Baltimore might run away with this division. To an extent, yeah. I think people are underselling. Here's the thing. I would have put I would have put the Browns eighth in the Elite Eight if they would have won Sunday. They're awesome. The Browns are awesome. But that was a game that they just let get away. And the fact that they lost that game Sunday to the Jets might have cost them a playoff spot. Because with Deshaun, the thing is, there's wins on this schedule that you can bank on. And Brissette hasn't been the reason, like, they lost. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought that any of these games they would have lost would have been because of like Brissett. Like it wouldn't have been just Brissett being terrible. Brissett was solid on Sunday. He threw that pick at the end of the game, but I mean, eh, it happens. Uh they were trying to get a late, late field goal. But the Browns that that game Sunday might have cost them a playoff spot because you can't drop a game like that, especially when you're trying to bank as many wins before Deshaun gets back as you yeah. can so everything i'm saying
1: about the Bengals, i,
0: I still really love their talent uh-huh. but i really
1: I, joe flack has been a lot better than what we all anticipated filling in for zach wilson michael carter grace hall they're doing enough to keep the run game solid but we're seeing corey davis we're seeing garrett wilson they're all stepping up and making huge plays for uh-huh. this jets team and they're a lot better than what we I think we all gave him credit for it. Uh, yeah, in the off season. Well, so I'm I'm we, taking the five.
0: Okay, is it up to five now? So you can get it at five.
1: Yeah, that's what it says on here. Sorry.
0: Right. so that's fine. So you're taking Jets plus five. Yes. Ballsy. Yes. Ballsy, but fuck it. I like it. I like it. we you thought we wouldn't be? You well, thought,
1: again. I said this to you on our break, where I was like. I talked myself into taking Oregon. I think I just talked myself into taking the Jets there. Yeah, well, so to
0: that green, that green boy, it's going to be really good or really bad on Sunday. I guess so. On oh, this weekend, poor guy. All right, Nick Fulton. Uh, and hey, we're tied coming into this week, by the way. So there's we some are. distance now. I did.
1: I did enough to tie you. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. You had. You, <laughs> you did. Uh, all right. Ray, uh, final game: Ravens on the road in New England. Patriots catching three. Ravens minus three. I'd take this at Ravens minus like six. There's no way they don't win this by a thousand. Patriots are terrible. The Ravens are really good. Let's not act like like you know they had a once in a million kind of thing happen to them on Sunday. They're still great. Let's all calm down. Let's not blow the boats over yet. This is a layup here. If this loses, bro. If this loses, we have a problem, right? Like, there's no way.
1: Um. Yeah, I agree. I think it's Ravens. It's a no brainer, Ravens. And I think it was about the Patriots. We we saw the blueprint of how they have to win football games last week. What play? Mitch tra-
0: play Mitch Trubisky?
1: No. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny, but no. wrong. <laughs> They need to jump out early and maintain a lead. Like they need to get the lead early, and then they can maintain it the rest of the way because they're not going to be able to, a team that comes back when they're down like down 10 to 15 points, this team has no offensive weapon to push them downfield. They don't nope. trust Mac Jones anymore, which you know, you would think being a second-year quarterback, he would take that next step. Can you blame them?
0: Season. He's not good. Um,
1: can you blame Mac Jones at all? Because they're not giving him any tools to work with Especially when your offensive coordinator is not even an offensive minded coach.
0: <laughs> Listen, I'm not you know, you know what? You you got me. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. So like I don't
1: know if we can really blame Matt Jones for a lot of this.
0: Well, he's just you know, we're he, just Wait, he,
1: he's not as good as everybody thinks he was like he was gonna be.
0: But like he's not a terrible quarterback. So are you a Mac Jones sympathizer? Is that what you are? I am indifferent about Mac Jones. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like right now you're beating you're beating the Mac Jones drum, Mac. I'm just saying. No,
1: I'm just. I was literally telling you the exact reason why they're
0: there Uh, in the situation. Well, the way that was saying, it sounded like you know uh, Mac Jones, raw deal, better than we think. Shitty situation. Belichick's a fraud. I mean, am I okay? Hold on.
1: Everything I said there, am I wrong?
0: (laughs) Not necessarily. (laughs) Point
1: proven. (laughs) So I'm I'm literally indifferent about the guy, but I'm calling a spade a spade.
0: Yeah, I'm calling a spade a diamond. Go fuck yourself. So
1: Baltimore, that's an easy point take the points. I, I will I will eat three points with Baltimore on for the road. Dinner.
0: We'll eat, eat um, three points. Lamar for...
1: Jackson is just Stupid. so dynamic this year. Bateman's taking that next step like we needed him to see. Like we needed to see that from him. Duvernay's mm-hmm. had some popping performances. So like this team is coming together and they look very dangerous.
0: They they're they're very solid. They're they're very solid. Uh NFL ones that almost missed the cut, I don't think there were like there were a couple of them but it was again like too many variables for this week for us for some of these other games. But uh our final card. So the six, the six games um Arkansas, Texas A&M, we both have Arkansas plus the points, one and a half. Florida and Tennessee, I have Flo Rida, plus ten and a half. You have Tennessee, minus ten and a half, so a bit of a doozy. Oregon at Washington State, I have Washington State in the points, plus six and a half. Mac has Oregon swallowing the points, and he instantly regrets that. Bengals, Jets in uh, MetLife Bengals minus four and a half. I have the Bengals. Mac has the Jets. Mac got the number at five, which we will give it to him. All right, if you're taking, uh, <laughs> no, what was but, the original number? It was I. The original one I had was four and a half. I'll oh, I'll
1: take four and a half though.
0: Okay. ESPN just
1: said five. Sounds like screw it, five.
0: Okay, four and a half. I thought you put four and a half in the chat. That's what I thought. You want to peek on that? Yeah, it was. Okay, cool. So, four and a half. Because I, I was going to say we'll just each have the separate, but that would have made a difference if we technically would have both won there. Which could have happened. Like, if you would have won by – or if the if the Bengals would have won by five, you could have got a push on your end and I would have yeah. won. So, uh, all right. Ravens Patriots we both have the Ravens minus three probably our lock of the week right that's easily the lock of the week for us I think that's the mortal lock yeah in the mortal lock shout out to them uh we're hey we're doing better than Big Cat that's for damn sure um uh, and then Raiders Titans Raiders minus two and a half we are both on that one so uh bounce back week bounce back yes. bulls we'll Maybe. have a new leader after for this week yeah, guaranteed. We're off. We're set by three games. So unless one of these gate, which actually no, none of the games that we're off on can push because they're all got hooks. So as long as you know, actually, it's impossible. Some we will have a new leader. We will not be tied anymore. Hopefully, one of us is good enough this week to get over five hundred again, which would be great. Which is all I care about this year. Week two, the man. What a bad or week three. What a bad week. <laughs> what a bad week.
1: I thought I was getting back on
0: track after week two.
1: It was looking really good, and then yeah, then last week it and then we and got, I was like and then
0: we got depression. shot to the ocean. And then
1: it was depression.
0: Yeah, Miami. We're never betting. We're never betting Miami again. We're okay, I'm the guy who's a Miami game?
1: fan, and the one guy who doesn't really care for Miami picks them, and the fan doesn't. So it's like... No,
0: no, I was talking your, about what? no, no, no. I was talking about the Canes. I was talking about the Canes. the Dolphins. Uh, won. the Dolphins. What I would have, I would have bet the Ravens and the minus the points there ten out of ten times. I'm just thrilled that the Dolphins won a game like that. Like it is what it is. That game I'm not mad about. That game, yeah, I, it's I'm, a shitty I'm beat. With you.
1: I'm with you on the uh, on the Hurricane. It's a shitty, the...
0: it's a shitty beat. Like that game, technically, because you're up, you're up thirty-five, fourteen with fucking. A quarter to go. Like, there's no reason you <laughs> lose. But I'm. But like, at the end of the day, like it happens. It I, Like, I'm not mad about that one. I'm. You know what? You know what my response to that fucking is? Fucking distraught that the Canes lost that 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 for us. Like, that is a travesty that they couldn't be more competent.
1: Yeah, I I had more. Like I said, what did I say to you though? Going into that when we talked about that game, I was like, this is the game. That we'll actually find the
0: true identity about Miami, and And we found the true identity. What was that? What you were gonna say? I felt like you were gonna say something else. Oh, I can't remember what I was
1: gonna say. Honestly, oh, but we're talking about the Miami Dolphins game. I was like, you know what? My one response
0: to that is, it's
1: football. It's exhilarating.
0: It really gets you going. (laughs) It really gets you going. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill in Moline and Davenport. Chase away your Sunday scaries at Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill this season. Located in the Belgium neighborhood of 7th Street in Moline, Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill is home to some of the Quad City's best food and drink specials. On Sunday, there's no better place to be. Clint's is serving up 75-cent wings and $4 Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday Ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix, finish off your football watching experience with one of their famous Quad City Style pop Pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC Style Pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine. Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill, 7th Street, in Moline and also Clint is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's pizza house and chicken opens up daily at 4 PM. So everyone in the quad cities can enjoy their QC style pizza and Henny penny fried chicken. That's Clint pizza house and chicken 7th street, Moline and 1601 West third street in Davenport. All right. That's going to do it as always here for the educators podcast. Big thanks to Mac for week four. Really excited for our big slate. Be too, sir, sure, excuse me. Be sure to check us out on Sunday for the four fantasy sake. Uh, big show on Sunday from ten to eleven thirty. I'll be back on there discussing our picks some more and chopping it up with the boys. DJ will be there. Can't wait to see him on Friday, on Sunday morning before kickoff. Until next time, that is going to do it for us. Next time you will see uh, hear from us will be Monday morning. We'll talk to you then, Sunday night after the Sunday night game. Enjoy your football weekend. This has been the Educating Nerds Podcast. Always, as always, remember, if you ain't got your game, you best pass the sticks. We're out. We'll see you on Sunday. Talk to you then. Peace, everybody.